everything, if you think about it, starts somewhere. And the question I want to push on you today for us to wrestle with is, what can God begin with you? We're beginning, in fact, a new sermon series today. It's called Family Tree. I'm excited about it for a couple of reasons. One, we'll be looking at one particular family and how God worked through them, their imperfect circumstances, their dysfunctional nature, to bring about blessing for everybody. If you are here today and you don't know a whole lot about the Bible or don't know a whole lot about the faith, this is a great series for you to learn from because we're learning about some foundational history when it comes to God working with his people. But there's a larger reason I'm excited about this series, and it's because of what it tells us about how God works in the lives of individuals like you and me. One way to think about the scripture is to think of it like, like an almanac. You know how the farmer's almanac works? People keep records, temperature, weather patterns, rainfall, for years and years, and then they compile them together, and they look at patterns, and then they plan out for the future and make some uh, predictions for the future. There's a certain sense in which Scripture is like that kind of almanac. Because what we have for thousands of years is a record of God's encounter with average and everyday ordinary people like you and me. Now, I realize not everybody here may believe in the Scripture or not have that view of it, but I just want to challenge you to think about it and work through it. Because after all, everything begins somewhere. The very fact that we're here today had a beginning somewhere. What was it? And what can God begin with you? Let's pray. Lord, take my words this morning and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. And then take our hearts and light them up for you and for your world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this is what we pray. Amen. Everything begins somewhere. It has a beginning. In fact, you could say history is like a giant calendar. At the very beginning, scientists say there was a big bang. And the ancient Hebrew poet said, it began like this. God spoke and said, let light be, and light was. And I don't think, by the way, that those two ideas of how things began are irreconcilable. Everything has a beginning. In 1946, something began, without which I would be much thinner and much richer. It looked like this when it began originally. It was started by a man named Truett Cathy. It was called the Dwarf House Grill. And Truett Cathy didn't invent the chicken, but he invented the chicken sandwich. It was when Chick-fil-A began. Thank God for Chick-fil-A. Everything has a beginning. I've been thinking a lot about beginnings this week because my little son is celebrating his third birthday. And you can see from this photo, he's really into cars at the time. And it's interesting to me to think about beginnings because three years ago, we saw when we first had his zero birthday, his very first day in the world, this church didn't even exist because everything begins somewhere and this place had not begun yet. But when I say about the beginnings for my little son's life, I don't think he really began on the birthday three years ago. I think it was before that when he really began. And I don't mean nine months before that. I mean years before that. In fact, I like to say that my little son began on March 19th, 2005. <clears throat> I was at rural Shenandoah Valley, Virginia at a camp. And I looked across the room and I saw a woman there and I picked up a sugar packet and went over and said, excuse me, I think you dropped your name tag. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Even telling that story makes me throw up a little bit in my mouth. I'm, just <laughs> I'm kidding. I actually have no idea what we talked about, but I know we talked about something and I know something must have worked out 
because it's the woman that I'm now married to. You could easily say the little Jack had its beginning in the cafeteria line at Camp Overlook in March 19, 2005. Everything has a beginning. You've ever been into a small business and they have this on the wall, a dollar bill? They say it's the first dollar we made. I always love to see that. Everything begins and starts somewhere, including the ugly things of the world. You may not know who this guy is in this picture, but you know what happened or what he started. On the 28th of June, 1914, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife, the Duchess Sophie, were touring a hospital in Sarajevo, and somebody threw a hand grenade at their motorcade. And their driver sped away trying to get them to safety. He made the wrong turn. And this man named Gavrilo Princip, who was a Serbian terrorist, saw his chance, took out his gun, walked up and murdered both of them. And that set the dominoes in motion that would lead to the First World War. Everything begins somewhere. When did it first begin with you in, in, the, in the bad ways? When did, when did you first realize that life wasn't as easy as you thought it would be or there was dysfunction or difficulty or the addiction began? Everything has a beginning somewhere. The good news, though, is that God does not require perfect circumstances before he can begin. Everything starts somewhere, but God does not need perfect circumstances before he can get something started in your life. And I want to look way back to when God began something very significant, although at the time no one probably realized it was. And this is the situation in which we find ourselves back at the beginning of Genesis. There's a family. One of the brothers has died early, leaving his family to be cared for by the other brothers. There's that difficulty. One of the brothers is married to a woman who is, in the old-fashioned term, barren. They can't conceive. They can't have children. In the midst of a huge journey of relocation from one part of the world to another, they're in the middle of the desert when the old man dies and the family ends up staying there and their journey is interrupted. And it is exactly in that circumstances that God chooses to begin something with the man we'll, we know as Abram. This is Genesis chapter 11, verses, 11 uh, verses 27 and following. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. And while his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. There's a misfortune. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. And now Sarai was barren. She had no children. It's your second misfortune. And Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Like you, I don't understand the ancient ages in the scripture any more than anybody else. But there we have it. An imperfect circumstance. Difficulty. And that's where God chooses to begin something. The reason I say that is because a lot of us deal with this idea that we're not in the place we need to be before God can work in our lives. Ultimately, I think that's a lie. I think that's a false view of how God works. God never says, you must first be here before I'm ever going to hear your prayers or answer or work powerfully in your life. And yet we still believe that. Many of us, in fact, believe this idea, that God only works in the lives of people who are good. What's interesting, though, is as Jesus points out when he's questioned about this, nobody is good but God. And so if God is waiting for us to be good, 
He'll wait for all of eternity. But the good news of the Scriptures is that God doesn't wait for you to be perfect to begin to work. You don't have to have your family life together to start praying together as a family. You don't have to have your marriage together to begin working on your marriage. You don't have to know anything about the Bible to begin reading it or just coming to church. You know, if you go to chemistry class the first day and the teacher says, we're here to teach chemistry, and you say, well, I don't know anything about chemistry, I'm going to leave, you're misunderstanding the purpose of the class, although I would sympathize with you. The purpose of going to chemistry class is to learn about chemistry. God doesn't need perfect circumstances before he can begin to do something in your life. So if you're here today and you don't know a whole lot about the scriptures, the the story of your life has been one story of of defeat and bad choices after another. You're here in the midst of difficulty. You're carrying a heavy burden. You're, You're grieved by a loss. I just want you to know I don't believe any of those things disqualify you from being used by God. Because God does not need perfect circumstances to begin. There's this man, Abram, in the middle of the desert dealing with heavy things. One of the things I I love about the scripture is how it says matter-of-factly something which must contain so much emotion around it. It just says matter-of-factly. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, was barren. She could have no children. I'm a big boy. We're big adults. We know that that sentence carries a whole lot of emotion with it. But God doesn't need perfect circumstances to begin. He can begin to work in somebody's life just because he wants to. In fact, one of the things you know once we start looking at the Scripture, and we'll see over the next couple of weeks that we look at this one particular family, is that the reason God works in people's lives is really up to him. He doesn't have a list and say, I'm only going to work in the moral, perfect people's lives. In fact, often the greatest heroes of Scripture are the ones who from the outside would see the people least likely to be used which is good news for you and me. In fact, one of the ways to know if you have faith in a living God or a God of your own imagination and idolatry is that that God surprises you from time to time. The living God always surprises with whom he chooses to work and how he chooses to begin things. Everything has a starting place somewhere, but the good news is God doesn't need all the previous days to be perfect before he can begin to work with you today. There's Abram in the desert, and this is what God says, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. These are some of the most famous verses in all of the Bible. Right in the midst of that, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Why does he choose Abram? We don't know. And as we'll see, Abram is far from perfect. And yet that's whom God uses. God doesn't need perfect circumstances in which to begin. But this is what God needs. When God's ready to begin, he needs you and I to be ready to go. God says, I need you to leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I need you to leave the things that make you who you are, that give you security, that make you be able to go to bed at night and wake up in the morning. Now, I wish this weren't the case, but I've been racking my brains thinking through all of Scripture and everybody I know 
who's been walking with God. I can't think of a single circumstance in which God calls you to take you somewhere that doesn't require you to leave something else behind. Moses, you may know the story of Moses. Moses is a prince of Egypt. He gets called out in the desert to leave the comfort of Pharaoh's house, and then he gets called right back to Egypt to leave the safety of the desert, and God uses him. Gideon is scared and threshing grain in the wine press so that nobody will see him, and yet God uses him to deliver Israel. David is in the pasture in the confidence of being the youngest son whom everyone always overlooks, and God says, I need you to leave the pasture. I'm taking you to the palace. Jonah has to leave the security of his own self-righteousness, and God says, no, I want to use you to preach to people who have nothing to do with me. Peter, Andrew, James, and John are just simple Galilean fishermen with their fathers on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus comes along and says, follow me. And they have to drop their nets and go to where he's taking them. What is it that if God were to come to you and say, I need you to leave this, what would it be that would be most difficult for you? Because that's the thing that God might need you to leave. To Abram, he says, your land your family, and your household, and I need you to go. I'm going to show you when we get there where we're going. For a lot of us, this is me anyway, pride is a major thing I think that God needs me to leave behind when he calls me elsewhere. The pride of being right, the pride of standing on my own principles, like in a marriage, the pride of saying, well, I'm not going to confess that I'm wrong until you do. The pride of being in a relationship that's difficult and God's saying, I need you to be the first to offer a hand to fellowship. And I'm saying, no, I'm not going to do that until they walk towards me. What about you? What is it? Sometimes it's financial for people. I'm not willing to let God work with me until I have this much saved up, until I've done this. Or sometimes people say, until I, this happens, until I lose this weight or, or I look like this or I have this job, until then I'm not ready. But see, God doesn't need you to be ready because God is ready. You don't need to have your circumstances perfect. But when God calls, you have to be willing to go. This is what Abram says. I, I, this is what Abram does. I love this verse. This is Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. After this call of God, out of nowhere, a bolt from the blue, it says, Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. God says, go, and Abram says, okay, I'll follow. God doesn't need perfect circumstances. He needs us to be ready. He needs us to exercise faith. Faith is one of these topics, sometimes we think it means just screwing up your courage and just, in spite of all evidence to the contrary, you're just going to believe. I don't think that's what faith is. In fact, one of the reasons the scripture is so important is that it shows us that God is always trustworthy. Abram had to exercise faith. He didn't know where God was taking them. You and I can look back at our spiritual ancestors and say, God is always faithful when he calls. What, it might, what might it look like for you to exercise faith and what God wants to begin through you. The faith that God, I don't know how it's possible, but somehow I believe you can work reconciliation in my family. The faith that says, God, I don't know how it's possible. It seems impossible to me, but I believe you can free me from addiction. God, I don't know how, but somehow you can make the dollars work out if I'm both generous and living within my means. 
I don't know how, but I'm going to trust you because you're the one who calls and leads us and you're faithful. Everything starts somewhere. God doesn't need circumstances to begin. He just needs us to be faithful, to be ready to go. And the reason this is so important is because God always calls and blesses so that we can be a blessing to others. You have no idea what hangs in the balance. This man, Abram, will soon, will realize, get the name Abraham. We'll look at that in in the coming weeks. And God begins something one that day that leads into the formation of the people of Israel. In fact, as we'll see, Abram has a grandson who gets the name Israel. And God uses that nation. Why? We don't know. They're not the mightiest, the wisest, or the strongest nations or peoples of the earth. And yet God chose to work through them. And all through the slow working of history, God's redemptive purposes were relentless to lead up to the birth of a little baby in Nazareth to a teenage virgin. And it all was because Abram heard God's call and responded to it. Everything starts somewhere. What does God want to start with you? One of the problems I think you and I have is we only ever see our life from a small point of view. But what would it look like if you were able to see it from God's perspective or if your life were a movie playing out? That one ethical decision in your business that is so difficult, that you're so afraid of, you have no idea what hangs in the balance. That one gesture of reconciliation with your spouse it is impossible to foresee what the stakes are for that decision. What started with Abram has led, frankly, to where we are today. This is when God begins to work specifically to redeem all of history through one guy and imperfect circumstances. And all along the way, men and women of God, imperfect people who don't see the whole plan, have been called by God and they've been asked just to exercise faith to say yes when God calls to say, I'm ready to follow wherever you lead. And God used each one of them in mighty ways. You have no idea what hangs in the balance. When you start as a family making worship a priority, teaching your children to pray, who knows how God will use it? Everything starts somewhere. What can God begin with you? See, there's the day. There's the day the first thing happens. There's the day you you had your first drink. But the great day is the day when you say, no matter what, I'm going to let God work in my life to work towards sobriety. I'm just going to go to my first meeting. I want to be sober for one hour, one day, and it works from there. There's the day you make your first buck. And that's a good day. But then there's the day in which you say, I'm going to take what I've been blessed with and use it to bless others. There's the day you get married. And then there's the day you really start committing to marriage. Several years ago, we had a concert here put on by Art House Dallas with a musician named Sarah Groves. And she has this great story about being married, and she's been married almost 20 years now. And she explained as she set up this song, she said, my marriage didn't begin on the day we stood before God and took the vows in the church. About 10 years later, we were in the counselor's office, and it was difficult, and it was hard. We weren't sure we were going to make it. But at the end of the meeting, somehow we both knew no matter what, we were committed. We were in this for the long haul. And she says, 
That's the day my marriage began. There's the day you're born, and then there's the day you say to God's call, wherever you take me, I'll go. Today is Sunday, the 19th of May. And the truth is, God can use all the things that have been happening in the past up to this point, the ugly things, the difficult things, the good things. But in the grace of God, what really matters is today. Everything begins somewhere. What can God begin with you? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may God give us the grace to see and the courage to follow. Amen.